Welcome to the Grace World Podcast. I'm Dan Hewitt. And I'm Becky, his wife. This is episode 57. Hi, everybody. Hi there. I'm Dan Hewitt, but I already said that, so <laughs> I guess I'm a little nervous around you guys. Nah. <laughs> you're nervous no, around you guys. Oh, my gosh. Last week, I think you know, if, you've, if you're listening consecutively, that we were on a road trip. Uh, and one of the things that we like to do when we're on road trips is listen to podcasts or teachings that either we've listened to before or new teachings or whatever. It's a good time on a road trip to listen to stuff. Kind of mm-hmm. like listening to books on tape, only we like teachings. Yeah. So we listened to a couple of great things. But the last thing we listened to as we were almost through we on the last leg of getting home was a podcast that our kids, Benji and Kaylee, who you know, because they've been on the last two podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, introduced us to called, is it Rethinking God with Tacos? I don't know. Something like that. Taco, Something yeah. with tacos. I think it's called Rethinking God with Tacos. And they have a whole lot of guests on and they had John Crowder on. And so we listened to that mm-hmm. podcast with John Crowder. We're, we've learned a lot and had our minds expanded and honed in from John Crowder over the past, gosh, five years? At least five Probably. years. Yeah. We actually saw him when he came to Colorado mm-hmm. three or four or five years ago. Um, He's anyway. a very controversial guy sometimes, but he tries he, to tries to push you into what you're thinking and forces you, kind of gives you some challenging stuff. So he's not just like making stuff up. He actually is, he's a, a bizarre combination of a charismatic and an extremely historical, mystical, going back to the patriarchal documents, the he's, ancient he's Catholic wisdom, the yeah. all the early church fathers and stuff like that. So he's a actually quite a theologian, to be honest. I mean, he wouldn't call himself he, yeah, that. Yeah, he doesn't. In fact, he corrected that guy. Right, because uh, he's he, not... He, officially PhD type, but he's a real heavy studier of a lot of He reads people. a lot. Yeah, and so he has some interesting... And and I think one of the things we always do here is we're going to say, you know what, we never take anybody hook, line, or sinker because we're here to help you think, and we don't expect you to think like we think, and we don't think like anybody else thinks, but hopefully we can all love each other and get plenty of overlap to where we can enjoy the company of the rest of the body. So, yes, yeah, so that's bringing that, that gives right you a little bit of background on John Crowder. Here's something so he's a mystic, you use that word, yeah. And mystic is a which sounds scary at first, sound, yeah. Mystic is somebody who who is okay with the unknowns or the well, unknowns, the secrets of God, and is tensions okay that with are in the, there. Mm-hmm. the tensions of the spirit of God being a spirit. Right. And not having to explain everything, but having using other senses and using your spirit to discern right. uh, without getting into the kingdom. It. Yeah. The anyway, myst- the word mystic is actually in mystical is used actually a significant number of times in the New Testament. Even we just in our Western yeah. thought, we usually bleep over those and just go, yeah, whatever. So, so anyway, this guy is very interesting. We love listening to him. He So here's here's the statement that he made that I've been meditating on. One of the things I've been meditating on this week. Uh, the 
the host of the podcast said something about uh, the deconstructing deconstructing of Christianity right now. This there's a there's a very strong movement uh, right now where people are that they use that word deconstructing yeah. a lot of things, not just Christianity, but Christianity is one of the things they're rethinking. What is Christianity? How is how has it been used in good ways and then in not so good ways um, to love yeah. people, to further the kingdom of God on earth? And so he used that word to John Crowder and John Crowder kind of jumped in and said, hey, deconstructing is not a new idea. De- people have been deconstructing yeah. since the beginning of time. And what they're really doing is seeing places where religion has tried to define God and done it erroneously. Right. And so people are constantly an, well, here's analyzing, a, you know. let me finish, yep. analyzing yep. and uh, saying what God isn't in their experience and in their understanding and in their research. So mm-hmm. you, it, I'm sure it's used different words throughout the ages, but uh, I think deconstructing mm-hmm. is very godly. I'll give to you be a honest, big example. Here. Because I think the mm-hmm. Lord wants to be known yeah. about who he is and religion especially, which started from Satan by saying, did God really say by putting a doubt in Adam and Eve's mind about who God was telling them he was and how they were experiencing God. And Satan used a doubt about God and mm-hmm. told him what he thought God was or, yeah, you know, whatever. And that, that was the first act of religion right there. Mm-hmm. And then forevermore, you know, we're constantly battling, well, what does religion say about God? You know, um, and, and that's a huge, huge, huge can of worms. But a lot of the church fathers also, this is what Crowder was saying, a lot mm-hmm. of the church fathers were also combating that. In fact, that's where some of the early creeds, like the Nicene Creed, came from, was them trying to say, okay, we hear all these ideas about, as Christianity was growing in the first century, all these ideas about what people were trying to, mm-hmm. how they were trying to define God with the new... Um, the way after Christ had left and the creeds were basically saying, yeah, we're going to deconstruct some of these ideas about what God is and say this, this is what we see in the scripture. This is what we believe God is. And so they, that's where the Nicene creed and the the apostles Apostles creed. Creed. And anyway, I'm not Catholic, so I don't know all those creeds, but anyway, that was so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. The Crowder said that because, it just kind of helped settle me down a little bit like, oh, no, is the deconstruction movement? You know, I've heard fear from friends yeah. that, this, you know, this is the newest attack on Christianity. And, you know, we have to defend our faith and defend that what's, you know, been established for hundreds of years, thousands of years, because it's on the verge, on the brink of, of, of uh, disaster. Uh, well, no, that actually goes with my philosophy of life that everything is cyclical yeah and here we are in another cycle of it and the good news is god hasn't been extinguished yet and in fact far from the more we Hmm. think on study grow the the bigger the world grows the bigger god grows so he's not 
Yeah. We're, we're not in we're not in danger. Well, just if it's too there's scary. There's things that are wrong. Yeah, there's clearly people who want to tear things up. And there, there are people who. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm on a roll, so let me if I can just finish. Okay, this is the best. There are show. people um, <laughs> who, I mean, obviously, when you're deconstructing something, that feels scary. And also, um, some people throw the baby out with the bathwater, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. where the, the goal, hopefully the goal of people when they're deconstructing some sort of religious system in their life is to find truth and right. to find love and to find the real spiritual. Yeah. And and so, you know, that is my prayer in this whole understanding. Um and so there the dangers are some people will say forget it. I'm right. not going to have anything to do with God. And that's very sad. But God is not giving up on them. God is not saying I'm not going to have anything to do with you. It, it, it might just take a longer time and people mm-hmm. are not going to have that beautiful fulfillment of having God in their lives on a, on a, a personal level mm-hmm. to know what having a relationship with God is. But I don't think the deconstruction movement is this wave of it is uh, going to take us farther from God. In fact, yeah. for me and some other people that I know, it's actually made us so much closer right. to understanding yeah. who God is. Okay. <sighs> I'll take a breath now. It's your turn. Ready? All right. Well, I can think of a, here's a great example of a major deconstruction movement. Perhaps you heard of it. It's called the Reformation. Mm-hmm. So what right, happened? Right. So what happens is sometimes people, okay, so if you go back, I'll give you the really fast historical, how fast can we go through the church? <clears throat> you know, the church started, I don't know, the year 29, well, really with Christ, he died in 29 AD, goes on for years and what happens is over the years people are contending for some basics then in 323 you get the edict of toleration from constantine and then christianity becomes part of the holy roman empire then it becomes a large national institution and then it grows and more rules and more ideas and more things get upon it and then by the year 1517 actually somewhere along the line in the year 1054, you have the Great Schism, where the church split in half between the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church, and they separated. That's kind of the east and the west sides of the empire. Then in 1517, you had Martin Luther nailed his, what's the 99 Theses, to the door of the Wittenberg Church. And in that, his goal, he was a Catholic monk, and he just said, hey, here's some stuff we're not doing well, and can we fix this? And the answer was, no, get out of here. We're going to kill you. So <laughs> that's when the Protestant Reformation started was basically these guys were just trying to say, hey, we would like to tune up some theology that we have in the church because we feel like it's gotten problematic over the years and abusive. And can we change that? And so that's kind of where that split came from. And that's what deconstruction is. Sometimes people say, hey, You've gone too far, or you've missed a point, or something. Now, is like you said, is all deconstruction good? No, some of it's destructive. I mean, and I had a little thought on some terminologies and stuff. We kind of get wired, and sometimes we have different terminologies, or we use terminologies, and different people use them different ways. You know, like there was, I think there was a big thing in the early 2000s where you had the emergent church. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was heavily, and that was also a 
deconstructing type of a thing and it was heavily influenced and again I'm being very um, this is my two second definitions and not giving it exhaustive uh, mm -hmm. full things but it was very um, I think it was significantly influenced by postmodernism where things got a little flexible so there was a lot more talk about uh, flexibility into what truth was and I think most of what, now here's the careful thing, I think most of what, a lot of anyways, of what modern or current people that we've seen that are doing some deconstruction is, it's how do I know the truth? Whereas I think they're like, maybe, and I don't want to be too accusatory, the emergent church was more about, hey, the truth is flexible and kind of goes back to that relativistic, we each have our own truth. I know they probably wouldn't say it that way but i'm trying to compare and contrast mm -hmm. so there's ways you can do things that are better and worse so i think that if the goal is yeah i want to know god and i start going through and saying what do i think about god and that's really where we've been at what do i think of the holy spirit what do i think of the father the trinity who does he say he is who do they say they are um and that's deconstructive in the sense of saying, I want to sift through the theologies and say, what does the word really say? How is God really revealed? How, you know, how do I relate to God? What's the fundamentals and so forth? Oh, see, there's another word. You know, there's another word that's used a lot. Which one? Fundamentalist, that's right? I so I was raised say. as a a fundamentalist and so and i a I fundy would, as my brother fundy. greg would say and i find the funny thing is i would still say yes i'm a fundamentalist but i think i've in recent years i've realized there's a different view about what fundamentalism than what i think fundamentalism and this is where everybody has a different definition right they have their own truth yeah well no they have their <laughs> own observations <laughs> truth is independent of the observer oh, I, know. I, I was tongue in cheek but yes i just thought i'd throw that out there just in case um, not just in case you, but just in case somebody didn't catch that. Yes, yes. So I remember when I was young and I, I kind of hung around some people that were a significantly more liberal and they would mock fundamentalism and I'd be like, and they were Christians mm -hmm. and I'd be like, why would you say you're not fundamental? I mean, that's like saying I'm a physicist, but I don't believe in the fundamentals of physics. It's like, that makes no sense to me. So I never could figure that. And then I probably in the last year or two, I've realized, oh, I think what's funded the idea that others would get about why fundamentalism is bad or have negative things associated with it is they tend to be very rigid in saying this is exactly what the correct theology is mm -hmm. and tends to be exclusive with that. And I think that is a dangerous thing if you're that way i mean mm -hmm. you should understand truth you should pursue truth you should hold it reasonably which strongly, is god which is, is god. god yeah but you gotta know when to say hmm i might be a little bit wrong in this area or i might somebody else might be able to give me a little bit of wisdom or insight in this other area for sure and i think that's hard to do right because i think if you get into some of the harsher groups, uh, and I won't say any by name because it's usually more, you know, rarely is one denomination just bad. It's usually you get, you know, cranky churches, specific ones, or cranky people that are weird. 
But, you know, sometimes people be like, you know, I'm a Baptist, therefore I can't listen to anything a Catholic person would ever say. And it's like, just because you're a Baptist and let's pretend you're everything is right that you believe, it doesn't mean there's no wisdom from mm -hmm. a Catholic or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or whatever we have to be able to say, or that there's not awesome people in those other denominations, you know, and it's weird because you can go back and this is where I think John Crowder is really good. There's some amazing people through history that were Catholic and Presbyterian and Methodist that did amazing, awesome stuff and were amazing, wonderful, God loving people. And it's like, I could say, were they wrong in their theology? Well, I'm not going to worry about it too much because they were doing the thing that apparently God wanted them to do and living in an abundant relationship with God. So that sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really have a lot of room to complain and correct those other people. It's not my job. Right. You know, now, am I responsible for what I believe? Yeah. Should I pursue God more and always want to know him more? Absolutely. Um, should I be judgmental and harsh towards people that believe differently? Absolutely not. You know, I always need to recognize that I might be wrong or it doesn't matter if I'm right and they're wrong. I still need to be loving in all situations. Mm -hmm. So. So do you think it's possible to have a group of people, this this actually came up, now that I'm saying it out loud, this came up in our Bible study group, but I'm thinking about the de deconstructing of systems, mm -hmm. and that's why it doesn't just pertain to religion, like there's a lot of deconstructing in politics or in... Mm -hmm. um, education or things you know someplace mm -hmm. where there's a system there's a set set of rules that says this these are the ideals that we believe and we're going to put this system in place to try to make these ideals work which there's never been a system that i know of that did not at some point fail right okay so Have issues, people get frustrated with that right <laughs> yeah. i get frustrated with systems that. and institutions are run by people and as such and even the ideals, yeah. different people have different um, interpretations even of the ideals. Yeah. You know, I work at a charter school and there's a pretty strong set of ideals in that charter school. And I can tell you over the past 20 some years, I mean, I, we didn't start at the very beginning, but we were there pretty close. And the ideals are interpreted differently with each new set of leaders that come into mm -hmm. that school. And... Um, probably significantly you know from one perspective yeah. it's substantially different i mean there's three elementary schools in this charter school a junior high and a high school and some um cottage, a cottage school and a college mm -hmm. pathways i mean there's seven schools actually umbrellaed in this school and even the three different i work on all of the elementary schools have actually been under two of the three principals of these elementary schools and all three of those schools run quite differently yeah um, anyway, so my point is, do or my question is, do you think that there ever could be a utopia of a place where people are in a system or in a, in a community where there wasn't a strong system and could work and grow together, which of course I know I sound like a child of the seventies, 
right now. But um, hey, man, I think that's groovy, right? Like where everybody can live and love together. And and this was the question posed in our uh-huh. small group: like, can our church truly interact? Has there has there ever been a church that people are allowed to be who they're supposed to, supposed to be? purposeful mm-hmm. amazing people in community um not that there wouldn't ever be any problems but that there's we we can somehow uh love in a way and and live in a way that the ideals like the ideals mm-hmm. that we're ex- that we're understanding right now in our church we're talking a lot about the trinity and a lot about the roles of each person of the trinity can we as a group agree and have unity in these ideas and and live freely together yeah. and can that happen if the group grows larger mm-hmm. can the people that are the leaders stay away from expectations uh, on themselves or what others put on them, you know, and it, it, it's got to be possible. Otherwise, God, Jesus wouldn't have prayed for unity. Mm-hmm. It has to be possible at some level. I'm just not sure how that looks on the earth, <laughs> quite frankly, because, you know, even in our family, it's hard to have unity because everybody's individual and they're growing and they're moving in different directions and our unity isn't that we all think the same, although I will freely admit that I definitely thought that's what unity meant, that we would all think the same and behave the same. Yes. And, unity um, does not mean And I'm growing and learning in that, yeah. right? It's, it's being able to see the differences or the different ideas that people have and still love and work and move and have boundaries, but not mm-hmm. walls you know, with people, um, it, differences you know, so, without distance too. Right, yeah. Right. So I'm kind of looping back to the deconstructive. What are we deconstructing to? Right. And I think here's part of the problem. It's a dynamic system. Okay. So what we see, let's say we What's get a dynamic system, like pick any of those, the church. Okay. Let's say we come up with the exact solution today. Well, guess what happens tomorrow? A different, a different right? person comes to the church or one guy leaves that's important. Now we have a different mix right. of people. Right. You know, we can go back to this, you know, charter school thing, right? So when it started, it was a couple of families that were like, had a specific educational idea, a specific commitment to their children at a certain level. Mm-hmm. And they all worked really well and they attracted a lot of similar people and then it grew. And then it started to get a really good reputation as one of the top schools in the entire state. So what happens? Other people who don't have the same educational heart go, I want to dump my kid in this school that has great grades for all the kids, that all the kids get great grades. Well, there's what's the fundamental misunderstanding there? Grades was never in the ideal yeah, it's also never in the in the charter. Right. And it's, it's also has to do with the fact that there's a correlation where that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Where um, charter schools can perform better. But the coral, the question is, is it because they're intrinsically better 
or because the parents that send their kids to the to charter schools tend to be interested and involved in their children's ed- education. Consequently, this charter school anyway. This particular chart, yeah, some are different, right? Yeah, yeah. But you can say that at some level, it's a filter, so it filters out parents that are not involved Mm -hmm. and so consequently it keeps up the hype but then as more and more and more people come that filter goes away and then you have people who say hey i want to throw my kid in this school because it's a high performing school and they don't want to be involved in their kid's life and i wonder if their kids they will probably do better maybe maybe worse you know i don't know it depends and the thing is is again if i have a system and i throw a person into the system does that make it work? And I think that goes back to the church. We can come up with ideas that are better and worse, but ultimately it's the same as our relationship with God. And I think there are some terrible models for church, and there's some terrible examples of church, and there's some way better examples. But ultimately, God's calling us to the same thing in church life as he is in personal life, which is... I need you to listen to me day in and day out and see what we're going to do today. Mm-hmm. Now, he might give us big ideas and visions, you know, so the church may be doing something for a month or a year or a couple of years or something or be operating and studying and looking and focusing on certain things. Mm-hmm. But a church has to grow and move as well in the spirit. Yeah, because it's made up of people mm-hmm. and it's led by the spirit. So you're not going to just do the same thing forever. Mm-hmm. At least it's unlikely. I would say it's probably, you shouldn't, but. Not effectively. That's the probably deconstruction. probably not, yeah. And so more, that is. The more is, that people yeah. feel like they have a voice in something, then that's where things start getting kerfuffly because those voices <laughs> all are yeah. saying, hey, wait a minute. This doesn't seem to be working right. well anymore. This system doesn't seem to be working, or this part of this system doesn't seem to be, you know, helping me to live a full, rich, free, satisfying life. Mm-hmm. So, I guess coming back to our usual uh, rant or thing, I guess what we look at is as we look in de- deconstruction, we can evaluate systems and institutions. But ultimately, there has to be a dependence on God day to day. And if we believe that the institution or the structure will make stuff work, we delude ourselves. If we can believe that it may help us in the process, and it may be part of the structure that God wants to use right now in order for us as a body to operate, that's awesome. But if we get dependent on the structure and start focusing on the structure, then who are we not focusing on? You know, we're no longer focusing on God. So it's one of those, the institution or the structures are tools, excuse me, they are tools as part of us coming together as the body and we have to keep evaluating what is the right tool or tool set. That's definitely a part of the deconstruction, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people are deconstructing God in their own minds, the structure of their own mind, or maybe the structure of the way that God was taught to them, their theology about right. who God is. We've, and some of we've that been is doing good. that yeah. for the past year and a half on this podcast. Depending on what you believe about saying, God, you need to. This is what we used to think about God, and now right. we have 
are changing our minds or having coming to a deeper or, revelation mm-hmm. or understanding things uh, rich more richly. Yeah, and that might you know? be the scary and thing that people think is when you say deconstruct, it means oh, I'm not going to believe in God anymore, or I'm going to believe that God is a you know what some strange thing, as opposed to saying. It's not a full picture that I have. And what do I need to do to really see what God is like and to really know him? And we may have small things that we have to break free of. We may have some pretty big things that are standing in the way of our relationship with God, depending on how you were raised, what church you came in or didn't go in, or how whether your daddy was mean to you or nice to you or whatever it is. There's all sorts of reasons we have false concepts about God. And by false, I may mean horribly false or just a little bit false Mm -hmm. and part of the deconstruction is how do i chip away at the falsehoods and get to the truth of who is god truly and fully and we'll never fully fully know him but we can certainly not on our own right and we can but we can certainly do a better job as we pursue him we get to know more and more about who he really is and more what he really thinks of us and really, I think really? A, he really, really, I'm going to use really a lot. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that John Crowder said then as in this conversation, he was talking about contemplation, which is another hot word mm. in the Christian communities right now. And he said, uh, f- knowing God, finding those places where you are allowed mm-hmm. to um, just be and listen, uh, can you can use contemplation or meditation as a tool to do that and and I can't remember exactly how he worded contemplation but my takeaway from what he said was contemplation really is um, taking uh, minutes hours however long to be in a space where you feel at peace so it could be an outdoor space or an indoor space where you're not being distracted and just being, mm-hmm. not necessarily praying, in fact, not, not praying, not studying, not reading, just being, being aware of the presence in you and around you of the of God. And in the in those sessions or those times of contemplation, things will be revealed mm-hmm. to you in your spirit um, that make it easier uh, is easier the word that that bring you into a deeper place and understanding. So yeah. if you feel like you're you are deconstructing, which you know another word for deconstructing is just growth. Yeah, but you <laughs> Thinking know, it, rethink this thing. Yes, yeah. but if you feel like you are in that space where you're either another questioning thought. something, yeah, have another thought. You're questioning something that you used to think, or somebody else is questioning what you've said and you're in conversation mm-hmm. with somebody um give time find time to do this contemplative uh, uh exercise which i hate even using that word i love to just sit mm-hmm. and i've fought this for a long time like I, most of the time when i'm just sitting I think, oh, I should be reading something or I should turn on some music. At least I should be praying. Right. And again, like Crowder, when he said we that, I just felt this release in me mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what I'm doing when I'm just sitting. 
I'm contemplating. I've never called it that before. I've never really realized. But I know that when I allow myself to do that, especially in my garden, I feel full and rich. Like God's presence was th- is with yeah. me, but I was so aware of our presence together. Not just God's presence, but our presence together. That is union. That is Christ in me mm-hmm. and me fulfilling my role as a child of God. But but also there's no, there's just like there's even saying that, you know, that feels like a doing. It's just a being. Right. It's just a being. And the more I do that away from distractions or people, the easier I'm finding to do it when I'm with people. Because it's much harder to be when you're with people and not for me anyway and not feel expectations mm-hmm. about how I should respond to them or be with them or whatever because there's other people. Yeah. You know? But it is it has been really healthy for me to allow that space yeah in my routine in my days so that i can, i do feel free to be myself around other people which may mean like when we were on vacation there was one day when i was really really tired because of a whole bunch of things that had happened and uh, we were supposed to meet my daughter for lunch and we actually drove to the restaurant and i said to dan i can't do this i'm too tired please take me back to the hotel and let me rest while mm-hmm. you guys go to lunch and then I'll be ready for the evening. And I was so proud of myself <laughs> to say that yeah. and to do that and to be myself, to take care of my need in that moment um, and not and, and to resist that. Oh, but they're expecting me or, oh, I, right. you know, I might disappoint the person that we were meeting or, you know, whatever. And and to be OK with being OK. And of course, they were OK, too. I mean, it worked yeah. out. It worked out beautifully. Because um, Sarah had me all to herself, and so and that was, see, I mean, that it really so did exciting. work out nice. You two, you had know, I a gotta great go time together. Take another shot at this because I think this is such an important and radical concept. Because what we're not okay, so let's say what we're not saying. Or we're going to deconstruct what we we're just said. Deconstruct what we said. <laughs> Here's what we're not saying: Are we? We're not saying. Oh, don't pray and don't you know study the word and don't do it. No, no. What we're saying is. What we typically, we when we use words like meditate, we can get goosey in uh, the Western world and think, oh, you're being a new age something, you know, and it's like, okay, go read the Bible. It actually says to do that. Meditation is all meditate through, especially the Psalms. These things, whatever is good and lovely and so forth. And in our Western mindset, I think we think uh, biblical truth or knowing God is... I'm constantly thinking through stuff about God. Mm-hmm. And I think you should do that a lot. I think that there's a good place. So we're not saying don't do that. But there is a space that we never do in the West, which is be okay. at peace and don't think. Mm-hmm. And I think even when it says, in, is it Philippians or says whatever is lovely and true and mm-hmm. whatever, meditate, and, you know, think, mm-hmm. on, these think on these things. We tend to think of that as meaning, oh, I need to pick out some verses I'm going to meditate on. Well, and that's not, uh, that's probably true. But it's also, can I sit in my garden and look at the lovely? Mm-hmm. That's meditating on what God has done and is doing Mm -hmm. and just sit there in peace in the present. And I think part of what we're trying to get to is say, I want to actually be in the presence of God, 
not just develop more information and ideas about God. Can I, I say be yeah. in the presence of us? Oh, well, because I'm, it's not really be in the presence of just it's recognizing it's, his, I'm with God. <laughs> right. It's recognizing it's the reality of the fact that, that he is with that, me. Yeah. It's us together that brings right. that yeah, that joy and that fulfillment and that right. abundance. And I do need to learn because things. if I'm just thinking right. on God, I'm going to go be in God's presence. That's where I think people slip into. Oh, I'm not holy enough. Oh, I'm right. not worthy enough, and whatever. Or it's modal that you're with God. Now you're not with God. Yeah. It's a matter of being conscious of that reality. Yes. And yeah, and I think what ha- and I don't ever want to. I mean, heck, I love to study. I love to think through stuff. I mm-hmm. love to work through all this. You should. That's part of and that sharpens you, and yeah. it does satisfy. But you. if I don't ever get to the reality of He's here while I'm doing this, if I'm not doing this, He's here. Mm-hmm. If I'm just staring at the flowers, He's here. If I'm sitting in my yard, He's here. If I'm driving to work, He's here. He's right with me in all these places. I can't ever just let it be just the intellectual. I have to enter into the reality of that relationship. Right. And that is when things get really, really exciting because then it's, I'm no longer a guy involved in a religion with truths. It's I'm entering into the truth. Mm -hmm. What really is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not having to fight people over. This is the truth and this is not the truth. It's, I just want to be with God and the truth and the words inform me more about his presence and his presence informs me about what that truth is. Uh, Jesus was, of course, the epitome of the example of this. Mm -hmm. He knew scripture. He could debate with Pharisees and outwit them every time. But the ministry that he did with people was because he knew his union with God. And as he was with people, that union compelled him into mm-hmm. compassion or compelled him into love or compelled him into healing. And that's what brought him into being effective and bringing the kingdom of heaven onto earth is that union with God. So that's what I was saying. When I, The more I do this and become comfortable with it in my own space, the freer I'm getting to bring that into the space when I'm with mm-hmm. other people so that I'm not so self-absorbed or so self-conscious I'm union conscious. Yeah. I'm presence conscious. And I can bring that presence into the situation or the relationship where I am with other people. Mm-hmm. So let's finish this out. Let's just say chip away. This is deconstruct. Chip away the things that are keeping you from the conscious reality of the presence of the living God. Mm-hmm. And whatever is keeping you from that, re-examine that. Mm-hmm. Say, is this really true? Is this really what God is like if I'm not with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I guess we're for deconstruction then. Or at least, yeah, hopefully you get somewhere good with it. <laughs> Don't just tear down the building. Make sure that you're getting somewhere. You're rebuilding. I do you like... want to be rebuilding as you deconstruct. It's, Make it, sure it's, it's deconstruction point. for reconstruction. Right. Yeah. To find the true you. To find the true you, which is in union with God. Yep. As his is his design. Hey guys. Thanks for listening. 
if you have anything to comment on. I, we're mm-hmm. starting to realize that people don't really comment on podcasts. I guess podcasts are more for thinking. I don't ever comment on anybody's podcast I listen to. But so you can. You can if you want to, but you know, don't feel guilty. We just give the information out there if anybody has a thought or a comment. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can just have to keep listening to whatever comes into That's our head. That's right. <laughs> but if you want to be a part of that conversation, just give us an email at podcast at grace.world. Come connect at the website and subscribe and they'll give you little notifications and we don't spam you or anything or call us at 833-885-GRACE. So till next week. Yeah. It's great to hear from you and we hope to be with you in the presence of God. We love you. Have a great week. Bye.